Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Hey, special shout-out to my good friend, Yoshiko. Dart, keep leading the fight for those young people with disabilities, Yoshiko. And also, thank you, Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, for being the lead sponsor of our radio show. And, and finally, last but certainly not least, thank you, thank you to all of you listening to the show. You're helping me make a difference, and that includes the people listening to the show in Japan, Ireland, and other parts of the world. I get that data. I see you listening. Thank you very much, and make sure you spread the word. Well, to me, this is exciting today because everyone that knows me knows how I feel about veterans, which this is my big mission, employment for veterans with disabilities. You know, I always say, A person goes and they fight for our freedom and then they come back and can't find a job is shameful. So I am so excited to have someone on our show today, a veteran serving our country. It is an honor for me to welcome to the show Sergeant Sarah Sell. Welcome. Thank you very much. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. And why don't you start by telling us what made you decide that you, as a young person, wanted to serve our country, and then why you chose the Air National Guard? Absolutely. So uh, there actually is a fair amount of military service within my family. Uh, My grandfather was in World War II. Uh, My father served in the Navy for a short time. Uh, I have an aunt who um, served and retired from the Army National Guard. And so I really had kind of a strong military uh, presence that I grew up learning about. Um, And so when I got done with high school, was trying to figure out my next chapter in life. Uh, I knew college was in my future and I wanted to attend and came from a very hardworking family that didn't have the resources to help me with the cost of college and um, I started looking at options. Uh, The military really provided a great option for some education benefits so that I could go to school and do something better, uh, but also the chance to serve and to be part of a community of people. And that really spoke to me as somebody who had always been in sports or activities and groups and um, I really was excited to join something with kind of a bigger calling. Uh, And specifically with the Air National Guard, I actually grew up very close to an Air National Guard base, the one that I'm still serving at, and uh, used to watch the planes take off all the time as a child sitting on the front porch. And so um, that really made an impression on me and uh, pointed me towards the Air Guard when I was looking at uh, options for serving. Um, Air National Guard, now how is that different from the Air Force? So as the Air National Guard, we are uh, sort of a unique subset. So on our uniforms, you know, it says U.S. Air Force. So we are part of the Air Force. Uh, But we also have the privilege of having a dual mission. So we have a federal mission where we get to support our country in, uh, you know, wartime, peacetime, however it is that the president would like to call us. Uh, We also have the unique ability to support the state that we're in. So being in the state of Kansas, And the Kansas National Guard, we have the ability to support state missions, and that could be anything from natural disaster relief or cleanup or help um, or anything that our our governor
governor would require from us. We have that that special dual mission, which I also kind of like that we can give back to our our local and national community. Yeah, that so that if there's a natch. Uh, a natural disaster, uh, or anything like that that occurs in our state, whatever state you are in, you would be able to help them. Absolutely. I actually had the, the honor to help one of our towns here in Kansas that was essentially wiped out by a very large tornado. Um, we get those in Kansas, and so uh, we actually got to go out right after it happened and help that community to rebuild itself, to provide medical treatment, clean up of debris, uh, make sure that, that that town was able to get back on their feet with the support they needed. Yeah, I have worked with uh, an organization in Wichita that uh, works with people uh, who are blind and other disabilities. Uh, and it, it, you know, it really seems like you, know, you have a lot of good things going on there. Uh, but I must say, the weather is really hot. <laughs> it certainly can be. Today's a little muggy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When I was there, I felt like as if I was in a furnace. So, you know, it, it's really hot there. Uh, and obviously, you don't have any problem with heights. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> now, do you yourself fly the plane, or do you, what do you do? I do not. So my, my current position in the Air National Guard is that I am a first sergeant, and so uh, my responsibility is to uh, maintain the readiness of our enlisted uh, forces uh, to provide a ready force to the commander. So I provide assistance on any personnel issues, um, health-related issues, just really uh, provide overall support for our commander. Uh, but prior to that, I was a military police officer. So our, our role is really to uh, protect our bases, our assets, our aircraft, um, providing the law enforcement services necessary. Um, so I've, I've been trained and been able to serve in a few different ways. You know what? Something you brought up that I think is great for young people listening to the show um, is that if they don't have the resources to go to college, that mm-hmm. in addition, of course, as you said, to doing something uh, for our country, that that is a good option for education. I mean, don't you think that's a great thing for young people to think about? I absolutely agree. And now working with veterans on a college campus and understanding the benefits that they have to provide that resource, uh, college is not a, it's not a cheap endeavor anymore. And uh, it probably never was, but it seems to be getting more and more expensive. And uh, to have the ability to, to work towards something that will then provide those benefits, I think, is, is just really important, especially for students like myself. So I was a first-generation college student, so I was the first in my family to attend college. And so my family didn't really understand about, you know, loans and scholarships and how everything worked. And so it really helped to provide me, I think, a boost in my education. And uh, I think it's it's just a really great option. And honestly, had I just been in it for the college benefits, I probably would have served my my term and gotten out. And, you know, 16 years later, (laughs) I guess I've stayed for other reasons. So... Well, and I just want to tell you once again, I so admire you, and I'm always so honored to have anyone that serves our country on this radio show. Oh, thank but you. But now we have to come to, oh, my God. Oh, oh. Let, let me just tell you. Let's start by telling you I have these two little children with long hair, and mm-hmm. those are the two Yorkies that I have. <laughs> but somehow... I don't think they are quite able to do what Riley does, who, oh, I just love this 
picture and everything about. Why don't you tell everyone about Riley? Sure. So uh, Riley came into my life a little over a year ago. She um, was a rescue dog, so um, found her at a shelter with the help of a local dog trainer, um, about three years old at the time. Uh, part lab and part Rhodesian Ridgeback was our best guess on her breed and her makeup. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful dog. Um, and she just was very, very sweet-tempered. Uh, her temperament is just very mild. Um, was working with a trainer at the time who came across her through her work as a dog trainer. Um, and Riley was actually, while she was in the shelter, she came in as a stray. No one claimed her. And uh, she was actually uh, paired up with some foster children uh, that were working through a special program here locally. And they pair foster children with uh, rescue dogs in shelters and teach the children dog training skills and provide that connection for them. Um, And so Riley was enrolled into that program. And so um, she was learning some dog training and (laughs) showed a lot of promise and just showed a very, very nice temperament. And that's how I got introduced to her as, hey, you need to come see this dog right now. She didn't have a name. Riley was the name that we gave her, but um, she uh, met her, and she just stole my heart right away. Now, how, how, old, how old is Riley? About four and a half is the best guess, not knowing her past. That's, that's our estimate. <laughs> four and a half. Mm-hmm. And who knew? Who knew what, what Riley was going to end up doing? This right. stray dog that ended up helping so many people and what what type of dog did you say Riley is? Uh, So they pegged her as part lab and part Rhodesian Ridgeback and the Ridgebacks were African uh, lion hunting dogs from way back so um, very athletic dog. (laughs) Wow well uh, beautiful dog so how about if you tell everyone what Riley does? Sure. So um, she was selected to uh, to be trained as a therapy dog to work specifically with uh, veterans and any of our military-connected students on campus at Wichita State University. So uh, when I got her, that was the that was the goal. <laughs> that was absolutely her goal from the beginning and her mission, uh, which is why she was tested for temperament and. And we did some different things you know, prior to me adopting her to make sure that you know, she would be a good fit. And so uh, she was brought on campus and um, was able to start coming onto campus uh, very soon after I got her to start with her training. Uh, it was very important that we trained her in a public setting, in a place where she would meet all different types of people and encounter different smells, be able to train through distractions, <laughs> um, you know, squirrels. <laughs> that was a tough one, but um, <laughs> to work her through a lot of different things. Um, that would provide her the training to maintain a calm temperament uh, no matter what sort of the situation she was in. Um, So she was primarily based on the days that she was on campus um, in our veteran center. So we have a military and veteran center on campus. And um, she was based in there and would, you know, remain with me or with my students. And really her entire job was to be petted. (laughs) And she loved her job. Uh, She would just kind of work the room, go up to each individual person, see if they were interested in interacting. If they didn't pet her, she would just move on to the next person. And um, she was there just to kind of provide some stress relief, anxiety relief, uh, kind of whatever that student might need at that time. That's what she was there for. And she was just a, you know, always loving, no matter how bad their day was, was just there to be loved on. And that that connection that the students started to build with her um, has just really been neat to watch yeah and you know and I want to talk about this more when we come back from break but I'll tell you 
um, a friend of mine has a therapy dog that she takes to Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the ward where children have uh, serious issues. And when a, when the child sees and she has golden retrievers, when they mm-hmm. uh, a golden retriever, Shana, when they see this dog, it is amazing what <laughs> that can do Absolutely. for someone. It is amazing, and we'll talk more about that when we come back. But right now, we have to go to break. <laughs> when we come back, we'll be talking about Riley to Sarah. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. We are talking to Sergeant Sarah Sell from Wichita State University, where she is working. And we were talking about Riley uh, before we went to break and what Riley, I'm sure, brings such comfort to so many people. But I had a question. Did you first come up with that idea to use Riley as a service dog because of what you heard about working with the foster children? Is that how this started? So the idea for having a therapy dog in general really came from a visit I did to a different campus um, quite a while back and visited a, a location there. It was a very large campus that had housing specifically for veterans. And within that, they sort of had a community dog that they all took care of together. Uh, and I saw just the interaction from these veterans with this dog. And you might see this just really tough veteran 
just melt at the sight of an animal. And, you know, I just thought, wow, how great would it be to have our own mascot (laughs) dog, something that the students could really just relate to. And um, after that, I started looking into possibilities and what it might take to to get a dog or get a dog trained. Um, I actually started talking to some of our local uh, employees at the VA hospital here. Um, And our local employees here have done a great job with helping a lot of our vets with disabilities find resources to get a service dog or an emotional support animal themselves. And so with those connections, was able to reach out to a local dog trainer who does work a lot with veterans and specifically with certifying therapy dogs and service dogs. And uh, they got me started on the process of how to find a dog. It was either you know, go through an organization, wait for them to train a puppy from birth up for you, you know, might be a two-year waiting list, uh, and then they presented the option of, well, you know, there's a lot of dogs that already need homes and might already be potty trained. <laughs> so if you can find one of those, we can help you get them trained and certified. So that's, it was a very long process to get to the point where we would select the right type of dog and to make sure that it was a good fit. And that's where, that's where Riley came along. Now, to, what does it mean to be certified as a therapy dog? What does that mean? So there are organizations out there, um, Therapy Dogs International is, is one of the big ones, and they have uh, certain requirements that you would go through with a certified trainer and tester and that um, you would actually demonstrate the right obedience skills in front of to pass a certification test, and then you can get them you know, registered with that organization so that they then have the certification um, allowable to be given public access to certain areas. Uh, so that's what we, we started working through was obedience training and working towards really just very good manners for the dog. That's mostly what it boils down to. Yeah, well, I can see, uh, I see that because of people that work for me who are blind or have other disabilities, you know, and use uh, not necessarily some with a therapy dog, some with just a uh, guide dog, uh, but I'm very familiar with uh, the, therapy, the therapy dog. So let's hear about Captain Riley Leroy Pitt's Military and Veteran <laughs> Student Center. What is that? Well, it's a mouthful to start with, but um, so the Captain Pitts Center is uh, what we opened here on campus uh, back in November of 2013, so we haven't really been open uh, more than a few years, and um, I actually started this center because I was already working on campus in another role and saw the need for a place to really serve our veterans on campus. As a veteran, understanding, um, you know, coming back to school after deployments and different things like that, having experienced that myself, I, I knew that college can kind of be an isolating place sometimes for a veteran. And so I wanted to make sure that our vets had a way to sort of find each other on campus, um, especially if you're not on campus much. We have a very large commuter campus where not a lot of people live on campus or in the nearby area, so our vets weren't really connecting to each other. And I knew there was a strong community there if we just, you know, one of those, if you build it, they will come. (laughs) And it turns out I built it and they started coming. So uh, we opened the center uh, in just a small room. We found what we could on campus and uh, got a bunch of donations because I didn't have any budget or any authority or anything. We just sort of made it happen. Uh, I found other veterans who worked on campus to pitch in services from their 
respective areas. We got donations from local uh, companies and veterans that wanted to give and help us out. And, and so we opened our first center, had our ribbon cutting, um, and moved in, and it just started growing like wildfire. Um, our space was small, but provided a lounge area, some study space, um, and an opportunity to employ our veterans part-time on campus. Uh, so our first center was great. After about a year, um, someone brought to our attention the story of Captain Riley Pitts, and um, his actions in Vietnam actually earned him the Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, posthumously, unfortunately. So um, he actually is an alum from Wichita State. So we were able to look up his story to um, decide that we wanted to name the center after it him and dedicate that to him. And so we brought up his family and had a dedication ceremony about a year after we opened, uh, which was just a wonderful thing to be a part of. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What, what, what is his story? Um, so he um, was uh, a captain, so he was an officer, uh, got his commission once he got his degree from, from Wichita State here, and um, joined, was just a, a fast burner by all accounts. He was a true go-getter, a leader. He wanted to be a general someday. And um, while he was stationed in Vietnam, um, he actually uh, was leading a group of his, his men, and someone had thrown a grenade in. He dove on the grenade, which fortunately did not detonate at that time, and then, after throwing himself on a grenade, led his team to a point where they were able to be safe, even though he lost his life in the process and the battle that ensued. So. Um, wow. He was, uh, yeah, just a phenomenal man. Um, oh. He was actually the first African-American officer to have received the medal in history. So um, another distinction that, you know, was very interesting in his story. So uh, we the were first able to have... The first African-American to, to receive... Mm-hmm, the first African-American officer to receive the Medal of Honor. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we certainly <laughs> thought that he was a good choice for for naming and dedicating our center, and we have a, a nice bronze plaque with his picture and his citation hung up in our center still today. So um, it was certainly, you know, something we wanted to emulate, something we wanted to put out there and, and remember from the history of our university, one of our alumni who really had great actions and was able to meet his widow and his children and a whole bunch of his extended family that came out for the dedication. So that was what truly a, great a wonderful story. experience. Yes. Yeah, Sarah, you did a wonderful thing. That is a oh, truly, truly a uh, great story. So the majority, what would you say is the uh, activities that go on at this center? Yeah, so um, actually about eight months ago, we had to move into a bigger center <laughs> because we outgrew our old space. So um, our new center provides a great lounge area where our students can get together, get a little rowdy, have a little fun, be themselves in an environment where they trust the other people in it. Uh, we have computers available with free printing, which is nice for the students, study rooms available if they need a quiet area. Um, some of the stuff that they really, really like is the free coffee bar. <laughs> so. We do have free coffee, and they drink a ton of it, but it gets them in the door, and they usually stay for the connections they build while they're here. So the coffee bar is nice. We actually have a nap room, <laughs> so um, they love that. It's a quiet, dark space where maybe you just need to sleep, and maybe you just need a dark room for a little while to compose yourself. So mm-hmm. uh, we have the nap room available, which is great. Uh, we- for all of our new students coming in. So they're paired up with a vet who's already been on campus for a little while. That can help show them the ropes, help them transition, be a guide point. 
uh, make sure that their transition goes smoothly. Um, and, you know, there's always free food. People donate a lot of food to us. So we have free food days. We try to bring in, you know, events, employers to talk with students. Other services around campus we'll bring in to, to serve our students. And uh, really we found that this is a very active place. Uh, just in the last semester, we found that our traffic had grown 55% over the previous year. So um, it's really catching on, and, and our students here have built a very strong veteran community where they back each other up, they are there to support each other, they tutor each other, they have study groups together. They really provide that kind of emotional support that they need for each other. You know what? I have a, I have a question. Sure. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about it being a little bit different for a veteran at college, you know, being... Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so um, I actually put on a training now for our faculty and staff members to explain a little bit about the military culture and our student veterans and how sometimes it can be challenging to transition back to school. Um, there's usually an age gap between my students and other students, so that's one thing to just kind of look at. Uh, oftentimes there's a perspective gap if um, they have combat experience. So they might find that they're in a classroom and they may just view things as not very significant, whereas their peers are having a total meltdown because this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to them. Um, but after you've been in a combat area, you know, your perspective changes a little bit. Um, many of them have had gaps from schooling, so they haven't been in school for a while. Uh, coming back to college algebra is incredibly difficult if you haven't had a math class in 10 years. <laughs> so, um, you know, we find that it's kind of different just to find people that you connect with. Um, a lot of my students will tell me it's kind of like being in the movie Billy Madison where he had to go back to class when he was an adult. He had to go back to grade school. <laughs> and they say sometimes they just feel like the old guy or the old gal in class. Um, and so I think there's just kind of that, that gap in coming from a very rigorous military environment to a very you know, open and <laughs> uh, college environment where you get to pick your topics to write about, you get to pick your class schedule, um, it can be a bit of a culture shock coming back. Yeah, and the same thing with getting a job. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Because some people even tell me they aren't ready. You know, they're not yep. ready yet uh, to make that transition, which... Sometimes people don't understand, but as you said, it's so different coming from an environment where this is what you're going to do Mm -hmm. to now you decide what you're going to do. (laughs) Right, and there might not be a clear chain of command, and, you know, everything is just going to run a little bit differently. Um, You can't maybe have the same expectations of your coworkers as you did your peers in the military. They might not be at the same level of, of functioning and operations. So it is really challenging. I have a lot of veterans that, would prefer to go back to the service instead of move into the civilian world um, until they can really make that transition successful. Is that right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I work with people with disabilities, and that includes veterans with disabilities. Absolutely. And as you well know from our recent uh, war, that many people that come back if either have post-traumatic stress disorder or some type of traumatic brain injury, uh, but many, many people that I meet uh, do have some form of post-traumatic stress disorder. And my question is, have you seen, um, has Riley been effective 
in a one way to help oh. veterans with this. Absolutely. Um, and, there, and there really is some good research out there about how animals can provide very effective therapy um, for post-traumatic stress disorder. Specifically, uh, we're finding many more veterans who are getting PTSD dogs that are specifically trained to respond to their symptoms. Um, so that's really good. And what I've seen with Riley is that when my students come in, I sometimes physically see the stress that they carry with them. Uh, the shoulders might be hunched up or they might just have their, their brow furrowed or they might just look angry or out of it or not sure what's going on. And the minute they see that little dog prance up to them, just everything changes. The body relaxes. They, they can just, you know, oh, okay, I can just, this dog doesn't care that I just failed that biology test. <laughs> she has no idea. She's just really happy that I'm going to rub her belly. Um, and it just provides that connection. Um, I sometimes would have students come into my office and lay on her dog bed with her just, just to take a moment to reset. Um, and so, you know, the students that I do know that, that still deal with their post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms, um, they specifically will, you know, seek her out <laughs> or find, okay, where's the dog? I need a dog. I need, I need a Riley. <laughs> where's Riley? I need her. So, um, you know, they might come in and just that's what they first go to because sometimes it's easier to, to go to an animal than it is to a person that may not understand what's going on. And so I've seen her just physically calm people down when they're having a stressful day um, or physically bring them back to the present moment when they're having maybe some kind of flashback or some kind of, you know, psychological stuff going on. So I've certainly seen her be... be well, let me there. ask you, do you have, uh, for people listening to the show right now that sure. are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, do you have any veterans, I mean, do you have any advice for them? I think my advice would be to, to reach out and get help even though that's hard. Um, to find a way or something that works for you. I know many of our veterans would prefer not to be on medications, uh, but there are alternative therapies. Um, I've seen equine therapy, horse riding, be incredibly effective. Um, sometimes finding another group of veterans that are, have dealt with the same kind of things or are dealing with the same sort of symptoms uh, be that, that support, someone you can call on and somebody that you can let know, hey, this is what's going on with me. Uh, but... I think a lot of people struggle alone, and I really wish more people would reach out for help because there are resources out there to help. Um, and I know, trust me, I know as a veteran how hard it is to say I need help with something, uh, but I think that's, that's absolutely where that healing begins and, and where that treatment can begin. And it might be in, an, in a non-traditional way, like a therapy dog or, or some, some other method, but there are definitely resources to help, and other vets are happy to help their, their colleagues. Well, I like that idea because I've talked to veterans that say they have not been able to get, you know, to get someone from Veterans Administration uh, because of the number of people calling, waiting lists, whatever right. it is. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and another idea would be to contact some support group. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many resources in the community 
that are just so happy to help veterans. We have a local equine therapy organization nonprofit here that provides their services for free to veterans specifically because they have a heart for veterans. And so there are so many things in the community that are that are not the VA. <laughs> and I know that it can sometimes be a struggle or a frustration to work through the VA, uh, but to know that there are so many resources, and sometimes it's really hard and you can't find where those are, um, but there's local veteran service organizations in every community that can help connect people. And, and I think in general, the connection is the big piece because when you leave the military, you kind of lose the camaraderie that came with that. And so if you can find that again somewhere in the civilian world, it might be with another group of veterans, but that connection piece I think is vital to making sure that you can be okay. Yeah, and if you're listening to the show right now, the key thing that she just said, reach out. Mm-hmm. You've got to. You know what I tell people? Remember, if you reach out and you get help, you can help other people. Yes. Try to think of it that way. But <laughs> you can't do it on your own. You know, yes, you cannot absolutely. do it on your own, and that's serious. That's, you know, and I mm-hmm. tell employers that, you know, this is something that uh, our veterans are dealing with that you have to, you know, accommodate. That is an accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So uh, employers also need to realize uh, our responsibility to help them. And, you know, when I read about you, uh, Sarah, it mentioned something about spouses of veterans. Yes. Do, you, do you also work with spouses? We do. So um, our center actually welcomes all of our military dependents. So children or spouses of our military members um, are always welcome here and are available for all of our services. Uh, so we, we do have a fair amount of spouses and children that come into the center. Um, and, you know, Riley, Riley doesn't care who they are, so <laughs> she loves everybody. And, you know, she'll come up to people. And I had a spouse telling me a story one day where um, she was sitting in the, in the lounge and, and Riley was sitting in her favorite chair watching the squirrels out the window. And she started talking about how her husband was, had just deployed, had just left. And people were asking her, hey, how's it going? Is there anything we can do? And, you know, she really just started to get a little emotional about how overwhelming uh, she was starting to feel with now being left, you know, back home while, while her husband had deployed. And she said out of nowhere, <laughs> Riley gets up from her chair, comes over and just lays her head on her lap. And so I think she, you know, she always has had the ability to sense stress in somebody else and to be able to sense that, okay, maybe something's not going right with you. I need to be here for you. And so she actually left her squirrel watching post, which is impressive, <laughs> to go and, you know, comfort the spouse who had come in and, and just really needed a place to connect with others. So um, we absolutely welcome our spouses. They certainly have sacrificed for the military as well, um, and we, we will always welcome them here. Yeah, and, you know, they need help, too, for other reasons. They have Absolutely. tremendous stress that they're dealing with also. So I think that's really great uh, that you do that. How, how are you getting funding for this? So um, most of our funding comes through the university. Um, we have had the university administration has... Um, just been very, very supportive and helpful. Um, we also uh, get some funding from community members, some, some alumni, um, mostly veterans usually that want to support the cause of what we're doing. Um, 
we know that you know state funding for most colleges is <laughs> very tight these days. So we we make a lot of stuff work with very little. Um, we have a small budget, but veterans are usually pretty resourceful, <laughs> and we take a lot of donations in kind. Um, our, our coffee, for example, has all been donated by Starbucks because they wanted to support us here on campus. Um, so we use a lot of partners in the community to help provide the things that we need. Um, and also I find that the students are always willing to pitch in and help out. So um, the university's been supportive, and you know we certainly have had great support from our local community as well. Uh, why I'm asking you, I just wondered, do you know individuals ever make contributions? Yep, absolutely, and we so appreciate those individuals, of course, um, because I don't, I don't know that we would be where we're at without them. So how does someone make a contribution? Uh, that would be through our university foundation. Uh, we have an account set up there that people can make donations towards uh, tax deductible, of course, that would help to support the center and all the work that we're doing here. And so if they would go to the Wichita State University website, would they be able to find you? They would. If they went to wichita.edu, they could find, uh, they could find myself and, and all of our services as well as our university foundation if they wanted to work directly there. Okay, and that's Sarah Sell, S-E-L-L. So I'm mentioning this to you. Um, of course, anywhere you are, you can make a donation. Sure. Uh, to all my listeners in Can- Wichita, you know, this is certainly a great thing that is going on. But no matter where you live, this <laughs> is a great thing. And I am going to put something about this out on uh, our social media. Uh, but, you know, no matter how great a program is, it takes money. It takes help it does. Uh, it does. to do more. So I, I think that is uh, uh, really, really an important thing. Not only that, we have to make sure we have enough toys for Riley. <laughs> Absolutely. We actually have other dogs that, that come into the center and um, certainly appreciate treats and <laughs> everything now, that comes and, their and, way. And how do you make sure all these animals get along? Well, um, in order for them to have public access, they have to be tested around other animals. So we have to know that they are, um, that they're going to be okay around other animals. Um, one of my students just uh, got her dog certified as a therapy dog, um, and he is um, a 120-pound mastiff. <laughs> so, um, wow. And one of our students has their own service dog um, who is a 100-pound lab. So um, it, can get, it can get real doggy in here sometimes. <laughs> But they all get along, and sometimes they play together, and um, it's been really, really great to have all of that interaction. The students absolutely enjoy it. Oh, and I have met veterans with a smaller dog than that 100-pound dog. Yes. So I I can see why you have to get along. (laughs) They just keep getting bigger as we get more dogs. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Well, you you know there are people that have those miniature ponies as a service animal. (laughs) Sure. Have you ever seen that? Because I'm somewhere in this little pony walk, and I didn't know that people could do that. I thought, (laughs) wow, I guess everyone is willing to become a service animal. But, hey, if it works, it works, just like you you said about that equine therapy. You know, whatever works, works. And I know I have heard a lot about that, so I I know that that is something that is beneficial to uh, a lot of people. Well, uh, Sarah, what are your plans? Like, are you thinking of retiring from the Air National Guard, going into a different field? You know, what, what are your future plans? Well, the beauty of being in the Guard is that I've been able to have a full-time civilian career 
the whole time I've been in the military, minus my deployment times. Um, so I've been building my civilian career, like here at the university, which has been great. Um, I do plan to retire from the from the National Guard. I've got. I think four years left. <laughs> so I think I'd be a fool not to at this point. But uh, my goal is to retire as an E9. That's the highest enlisted grade that's available. And um, I'm getting closer to it. And really, I think I set my sights as a very young airman. Um, an E9 had identified me and, and you know, recognized me as maybe a future chief someday um, and gave me a coin and said, I'm going to watch your career. And he sure does. He checks in with me and has been a mentor. And, um, and that's really my goal is to retire at the highest grade that I can. Um, and really just, I, I know that we have so many accomplished females in the military, but um, at the same time, I was the first female in my units, in my squadron's history to make the current grade that I have now. And so I really think that we, we need to see more women in some of those roles where they've made it very far and they can show wow, others that's that that can be done. Congratulations yeah. to you. That Thank is you. really... Okay, so when you say... You know, four years, or you know, you'll be retiring for then. What? What will you then be doing full time? Well, that will free up my weekends, <laughs> which is what I what I have my, as my military commitment uh, currently. The one week in a month, and then usually a few weeks out of the year where I get to get you know do some extra training. Um, so that will free up some of that time to maybe focus a little stronger on my civilian career. Um, I hope to still be at this this university for for quite a while. I, you know, I'm, I have the luxury of loving absolutely loving what I do for a living and um, actually was able to create this position out of thin air. So <laughs> most people don't get to write their own job descriptions, but I was blessed enough to be able to do that. And so um, I think when you find something that's that good of a fit, you should probably stick it out for a while. So my goal is to, to stay here and make sure we build this, build this center and build the services here on campus to a level where they are absolutely a best practice for others to emulate and then to move on to something else. I don't know. My, <laughs> my career path so far has been kind of random, and I've fallen into some things, and so I know something else will be out there that will be even more challenging. Well, it's pretty awesome what you're doing right now. Uh, is prob- I mean, that is, number one, it's exciting to be able to help people. You're still involved, of course, with uh, serving you know, our country by helping veterans, and and it's so exciting because you're doing so many different things. <laughs> it is. It's it's been a lot of fun, <laughs> definitely. And, and I'm sure Riley enjoys it also. <laughs> For sure, yes. <laughs> now, is Riley with you then during the week? Yes. So um, I mean, at work, is is he with you at work during the week? Right. Most of that, yeah, it depends on my schedule, um, so depending on how often that she can come. Um, if I'm not around too much, then it doesn't make too much sense to bring her. But, um, yeah, so she, um, she can come, you know, as my schedule allows, and then, um, you know, students would rather have her here 40 hours a week. But uh, dogs do get tired, and so uh, sometimes if they get a little too overwhelmed, then, then they're, they can't uphold the training that they've received. So um, for her sake, <laughs> she doesn't work all the time, but... And what about on weekends? What happens then? Um, she mostly lays on the couch. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she has her lazy times on the weekend, I think, like a lot of people do. But, um, yeah, when I took her on, she became my dog to, to own. And so um, she gets to, to hang out, go on long walks, and <laughs> kind of recuperate from the week. Well, 
She deserves her rest, what you told us she does. But right now, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you've been listening to the show, we've been talking to Sergeant Sarah Sell, director at Wichita State University of this fabulous service center and student center. Um, I just want to mention, if you know of someone and you're thinking, wow, I wish they heard this show, remember, the shows are archived at voiceamerica.com and benderconsult.com right now we're going to go to break and then we'll be back to close the show with Sarah Sell this is Joyce Bender America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com don't go away we'll be right back Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. And you know what? I found out some news at the break, and that is that Riley is retiring to a permanent home. Is that right? Yes, she will be able to provide a little more individualized um, support for for somebody um, now that she's been trained and and ready to move on. So, how are you going to bear that? <laughs> well, it'll be tough for me and my son, I think. But um, we also know that um, it, it's a great fit for her and for the individual that she's going to. So, um, I know that she's going to have a great life, and um, and I think that's where where it's great that we've been able to bring her in and impact so many people while she's been in her training process and then for her to be able to move on to, to somewhere where she'll get to have a little more focus and, and have just a really strong impact on, on one or two people is, is fantastic to know. Now who, now what? Will you be getting another Riley 
for this center? What about that? Well, I think I get asked that question about every day, but uh, my students would certainly love that. Um, we're in the process to see if we can find another Riley, something else, you know, another dog that we can rescue that might be a good fit. Um, there is a lot that goes behind finding the right kind of dog. So um, the, the word's out there, and we're, we're on the hunt. <laughs> so, You're um, on the it's, hunt, It's yes. a fun process, yeah. It's a fun yeah, process. I mean, you know, that's just, you can't go without having, uh, uh, you know, a cousin of Riley coming along. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, you'll have to let us know who the next, uh, the next service animal is that is helping so many people. Yeah. And you know what? Here you are, uh, Sarah. What a wonderful person you are because anyone that gives back is someone important to me. But you don't just get like that, you know? <laughs> someone influences you. So my question is, I wanted to ask you who your role model is, either past, present, history, whatever it is, who who is your role model? Well, I will tell you that I probably have a unique thinking on this because I don't really think anyone should have just one role model. Um, One, I think everybody's life is different and you have different strengths, and so you have to model yourself after what works for you, not somebody else's life and their strengths. Um, But I have had so many mentors um, through my military career, on campus, um, you know, I think back to a, a student advisor, <laughs> what feels like 100 years ago, that, that was probably the reason that I stayed in college, honestly. Um, it was kind of a struggle moving away and trying to find my way through college, not knowing what was going to happen. And um, I, yeah, I'm not sure that I would have stuck around except for them to say, you reach out and say, you know what, you have something here. I want to make you a student leader. Work with me and I'll work with you and I want to develop you. And so um, Nancy, who was my student involvement uh, mentor, she really helped out to, to keep me in college, which was huge. Um, and in my military career, I had just so many wonderful mentors and supervisors who looked after me, made sure that I was ready for promotions when I came that time. Um, you know, they, they saw this probably doe-eyed girl <laughs> come in, not sure what was happening or what was going on, and, and they went out of their way, honestly, to, to make sure that I could be successful in a career field that had very, very, very few females at the time. So um, I was so grateful for the people that have stepped up and, and for the people on campus now who continue to guide me, you know, in tough decisions and, hey, I don't know how this goes. I think I made the wrong choice here. Help me, you know, help, help fix me. <laughs> um, and so I think there's so many people that shape your own life, um, I had an aunt who, like I said, retired from the Army, and she's the, the reason that I joined the Air Force, I think, <laughs> um, looking at her career and how proud I was of her. And, and she said, you, you should go talk to my friends down at the Air Force Base. They have some different opportunities that might be up your alley. So, um, you know, so many people that have helped influence my life. And, of course, my parents, who were always, always there and were just rocks for me growing up. So, yeah. Well, you have a lot. <laughs> of course. But you know what? That's true. Because yeah. throughout your life, at different uh, times in your life, you have different people that, that impact you in different ways. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes it may be a high school teacher. Um, as you mentioned, it could be a friend. It could be a pastor. It could mm-hmm. be a coach. Um, it, it could be anyone, you know, then family. Um, and in each part of your life, you probably have someone that has had a direct impact on you. So, Absolutely. Uh, so you're right about that. You're, that is right. 
Um, well, look what you've done. <laughs> I can't believe what you've accomplished. You're so young, and here you are. <laughs> yes, and in four years, I'll, and I'm thinking, what? She is so young right now, and already look at what you've done. I mean, look how many, just think how many people you are impacting at that center. You know, who knows what you've done. You could have saved a life. You know, you, you could have just helped someone through a very, very difficult ordeal. I mean, you, you just can't imagine everything you've done. Um, but my question is, of everything you've done ever, what would you view as your greatest accomplishment? Well, maybe there's an impact here because it's more recent, but really setting up this Veteran Center and growing it to where it is today has probably been the greatest thing. And maybe because it's had the biggest impact on the most amount of people, I would say. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff in my military service has been great, um, but doing this and being here full-time to see students grow, to see them walk through challenges, to see them overcome obstacles when you know they probably should have dropped out and they didn't. Um, the biggest thing that I get to see and the, the proudest moments I get is when they actually graduate <laughs> and then go on and find their job. And um, I make it a point to volunteer at every graduation ceremony um, specifically so I can look out in the crowd and find all the red, white, and blue cords around the, their necks to show that they're veterans. Um, and you know, a lot of them I know. I've helped through something or or I've talked to them at some point, maybe found them a tutor, um, and just watching them graduate and move on to the next phase in their life, knowing that for most of them, college maybe didn't come very easy. So I think that's probably the greatest thing that, that I've done is to set up this thing that will probably, hopefully, <laughs> outlive me um, and, and last longer to continue serving veterans in the future even once I move on. Well, that is a great thing. So, first of all, thank you for being with us uh, today, Sarah, and thank you for all you do. What, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? I would tell people that veterans are incredibly valuable to have around you, whether that's in your organization, as an employer, um, a community organization, whatever it is. But I would encourage people to reach out, hire veterans, um, look past, you know, the ones that do have disabilities, look past that as an obstacle to see it as, you know, they can bring something to the table um, that you may not have already in your organization. Um, but also my biggest thing is just to never make assumptions. Um, I, a lot of times I hear assumptions about veterans and uh, people like to put maybe all veterans in one box and we all have such, just such different experiences and different backgrounds. And so I really would just encourage people to get to know the veterans in your life, know their story, express appreciation for what they've done and, and what they bring to the table and, and, and just embrace them and bring them in uh, because... Sometimes they need support and you don't know it. Yeah. When you've met a veteran, you've met one veteran. Exactly. And, yes, that, that is so true. Exactly. Uh, well, we end every show with a quote, and today this quote is so fitting. The notion that we have even one single veteran living on the streets should be considered a travesty to all of us said Michelle Obama. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.